it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Hey guys. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. Is Justin over here in LA? We've got Mike over in London. Hello, my friend. Yo, 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 yo. Um, interesting app today. Yes, that's a little different. A little different. It's it's called Top Five What Ifs. And Mike, do you want to explain to to everyone what we mean by what ifs? Uh, yes. Yeah, so these are things that almost happened, uh, or, or I'd say have at least for my list, are reasonably close to happening in the uh, in the film world, right? We're limiting this to film? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. So this could be, you know, there's a lot of movies out there that uh, never get made for one reason or another. There's a lot of, oh, this, this director almost was put into this film. This star was almost cast, but at the last minute he chose this role, that type of stuff. So counting down our top five what ifs, um, what could have happened and how, you know, how that might have affected some of the things that we know and love today. I'd say you said it perfectly. You hit the nail on the head. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I have no idea what you've what you've come up with. Um, I've Likewise. I've been thinking about this for a while. So let's, I mean, let's just jump in. Do you want to lead us off with number five? I, I, I shall. I shall. So kicking it off at number five, I am going to go with my absolute main man in Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, love it. In American Psycho. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been linked to quite a few films over the years, so uh, interesting choice. Yes, he. this was one of obviously a handful that popped up, but when it did, I thought, you know, that movie came out at such a sort of seminal point in leo's career i could i would say you know it it would have been his first film post titanic i believe or or maybe second but right there you know titanic comes out in 97 american psycho ends up coming out in 2000 and imagine if the role that leo went to next was American Psycho. I'm not even necessarily saying that I think he'd do a better job than Christian Bale, who's another one of my favorite actors who, you know, I think maybe probably one of the most perfect people for the role. I'm just so intrigued at seeing Leo play a bad guy um, so early in his career. He really veered away from that for a long time. And I don't, I mean, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't really think of a villain that he plays up until Django Unchained. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I guess off the top of my head, you're right. And so I just think this early, this young, him taking on this role, not only would I be just very curious to see how he would portray Patrick Bateman, but I... I'm curious what it would have meant for his career tra- trajectory. I, I do think it all ended up working out probably the way it should, but uh, but very intrigued nonetheless, and I'd I'd love to see it. 
The reason it's number five for me is because I, I don't necessarily think I would like this version more than what's out there, but I'm just so curious to see what, what Leo's portrayal would have been like. Yeah, and I have to wonder as well, I mean, Christian Bale was in kind of a, this was more or less his breakout role as far as yes. I'm concerned. You know, he had done some stuff obviously as a kid and then this was a, a huge thing. And it's not like after this, it was off to the races. People still didn't know how to use him after this. You know, he was in Reign of Fire. He was in Equilibrium. You know what I mean? And then he's kind mm-hmm. of a machinist and things maybe move from there into the Batman, I guess. But it was it took a while for him to almost recover in a sense after this because it's such a I mean, it's he's so like evil in it, you know? And it's it can mm-hmm. I can see why someone wouldn't want to do it. Let's put it that way. Yes, I agree. I completely agree. So who knows what it could have done to young Leo? Not that he wouldn't have come through. I mean, he's the best, obviously. But would have been very interesting nonetheless. Without giving away anything on your list, is it possible that we're going to talk about Leo again? Um, It's possible. Okay. All right. I'll leave it then. Okay. Well, great number five. Perfect example right there. I love it. I am, for my number five, going to the world of horror, as you may expect. Uh, of course. The, the first of two times today. And that is uh, a film that was, was never made, um, an idea following the 2003 film Freddy versus Jason, uh, which we've wow. talked about on this pod, which was going to be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from, of course, oh the God. Evil Dead franchise. Um, now, you're a recent Evil Dead fan, right, Town? Is that fair to say? I very recently watched them for the first time. So, yeah, so basically the idea, I mean, Freddy versus Jason was a, you know, a pretty big success. I've spoken about it on the pod as, as a film that I still quite enjoy. Um, and the idea of adding Ash, uh, who is, I'd say the closest thing, you know, to a hero out of all these characters to the franchise. I mean, first of all, just the one film alone would have been incredible. I I would absolutely would love to see that. Um, it would be amazing. And it was going to be a Christmas film, a Christmas horror, which I mean, come on, that's, that's, that's everything to me. That's, that's music to my heart, right? Right. But, uh, you know, then you have to wonder, I mean, because Evil Dead is certainly, you know, of those three three franchises, let's say, it would certainly be the black sheep. I mean, outside of the horror community, most people don't know what Evil Dead is. So does it raise the profile of those films? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, all of those films have been rebooted since that time, since, since you know, 2003. I mean, you've spoken about the, the Friday 13th, uh, that's 2009, the reboot, Nightmares 2010. Um, and both of those were the last, the most recent films in those franchises. So nothing's happened since then. They have no direction to go in. Um, and Evil Dead was, uh, you know, rebooted in 2013 with another film coming out next year. So do any of those films happen? Probably, probably not. And uh, so who knows where we are, you know, with any of those. I should also mention that the, you know, there is a, a TV show that also probably wouldn't have happened. Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, so we probably wouldn't have gotten that either. True. So, and, and and lastly, you know, this is speculation, I would say, but you have to also wonder how this might have impacted uh, the Halloween series, for example. You know, would they have had to try something a little bit different to reboot that series? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? So a lot of the major franchises in horror history could have been changed by what honestly just sounds like a fucking great film. I would love to see that still. I'd be all about it. So, yeah, that's number five. 
I love that. I mean, and, and right on brand for you. We get yeah, some horror absolutely. in there. Absolutely. I think you had mentioned that to me once before that they had that there was that out there and it never got made. It's so interesting. And they did. I mean, they did turn it into sort of a comic series, which I haven't read. But, you know, if you are a horror and not listening to this, if you haven't checked that out, do so. It's not quite the same, though. We need a yeah, movie interpretation. For sure. For sure. Holy fuck, that would be epic. Epic. Fantastic number five. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'm going to take us now to the world of directing. Little lost directing job. Okay. So my number four is a slight cheat, as we like to do on here. It's a duel. Two directors, each that could have directed a certain film... And it didn't end up happening. And I'd be very curious to see each of their takes. And that is James Cameron and David Fincher in regards to Spider-Man. Oh, right. Yeah. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved these films, especially the first two. I did not like three. But this was sort of early days of what ended up becoming, of course, sort of the dominant blockbuster culture in Hollywood with the with the comic book films now they're a little tiring but back back in these times yeah. it was very uh exciting it was so long ago even i loved this film the first one at least and i definitely wow. saw the second one but i mean that first one with macho man randy savage dude bones come on how can you not love it and so yeah it's just like think about it with and, and don't get me wrong it was great how it turned out that's not what i'm saying I am saying, you know, Sam Raimi, he did a great job. James Cameron on that movie, the guy does not make a bad blockbuster. Um, So, and especially at that time, man, that could have been special. David Fincher, on the other hand, I mean, could have gotten a little darker. Could have been a little grittier. I just, again... I'm not necessarily saying, and this was what's funny about doing this topic, going back and everything, a lot of these, most I'd say, there's there's one on here for me that I actually didn't like, and I think it could have been interesting with the other way that I'm going to give, but most of these films, I like these films. So it's it's not necessarily, I even think they'd be better. I just think the different angle to it would be so fucking, just so interesting. And with this one, I, I would just be very curious to see these guys take a stab at it. Yeah, I think for me, I'm I'm most interested in the Fincher version, um, but it definitely seems like it would have been something, you know, uh, along the lines of, well, it's so crazy now because every time they make a Batman movie, it's like, let's make a dark Batman. And it's like, guys, that's been done every Batman movie for the last 20 years. Like, what I know. You know. But like, I guess 15 years. But yeah, it does seem like it would have gone sort of in that range. And then you, I have to wonder, would Toby have played Spider-Man in that movie? Probably not. Agreed. And I think he's a fucking great Peter Parker, personally. He is. He is. He's, he's not my favorite actor in general. I think he's good, but he's not my favorite in general. But in this, nails he's it. such a great Peter totally Parker. Nails, nails it. it. Absolutely agreed. Uh, yeah, so that is that is an interesting one. Lots of big names. Got to wonder what direction, you know, to some extent, the superhero movies would have gone in overall. Agreed. Okay, my number four is, you know, this is it's this has been long rumored in Hollywood. We're going back 
several decades. So, Whoa. you know, I, I know there's some veracity to this, but how close was it? Who knows exactly, right? But uh, the internet has, has, has always been fond of the idea that George Lucas, his first choice for the voice of Darth Vader, was not our guy James Earl Jones. Whoa. It was, well, honestly, another one of my guys, Orson Welles. Whoa. Now, frankly, that would work. That would be sick, actually. Orson Welles has a great voice for Darth Vader. Whoa. But considering that it's like the most iconic voice of all time, possibly, like you could only imagine the implications that this would have had. And and I'll go so far as to wonder. <laughs> oh my god uh, and i'm just gonna go so far as to wonder you know not that james Earl jones hadn't done things before or didn't do amazing work after but is there a world where james Earl jones is not mufasa don't don't do that i'm just saying if if you know there's no world <laughs> is it possible that his voice isn't just as famous um and for whatever reason you know, it's not out there as a kind of a no-brainer for Mufasa. Who knows? Whoa. Orson would have been dead at that point, so he couldn't have taken over. It's not a direct replacement, but you have to wonder. I mean, you do have to wonder. It, it hurts me to wonder. Agreed. And I, I mean, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think about Orson Welles as Darth Vader? You know what? It's, Kinda again, works. this this is one of those things. It's so iconic. It's very hard for yeah. me to think of yeah. anyone else. With that all said, I don't think he's the worst choice. No. I think, let's put it this way, I would put him over a lot of other potentials. It's very hard for me to think of him in the same league as James Earl Jones when it comes to that voice. No, but they have similar voices. I mean, they have a similar quality to them. But obviously, yes. yeah, James Earl Jones, I mean, he's, he's got to be one of the greatest voices ever. Ever. But I'm with you that... I could I, I could imagine it and I think it would be I mean Orson Welles obviously famous just doesn't even cut it so it would be very interesting to see what he could do with it and if it would have the same impact that we're used to yeah yeah I think he could could have done it could have done it fucking James Earl Jones it's not the only time I'm gonna say Orson Welles today a little teaser Ooh, interesting. Okay, okay. Very interesting. So that's your number four, eh? That's my number four. What is yours? I mean, no, what's your number three? Excuse me. Wow. So talking about talking about Leo again, we are going to talk about Leo again right now. Ooh, okay. Because, and, and some would call this, in a sense, a hot take, but it's not. This one I have to preface even more so than any of my other picks. There's no one I would have rather played this role than the person that did. But the thought of getting to see this actor with Leo is crazy to me. And I would have loved to see what they did with it. And that is Tom Cruise in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood playing Brad Pitt's character. Wow. I know. It's it it's, it's such a no from me, but like... Well, it's such a no in that nobody else like if there's one role, I think well, I don't want to go overboard with this with the <laughs> you know embellishment because we all know I do hyperbole very well. But Brad Pitt 
in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has to be one of the most memorable roles of the last few years. And there is no one else that could have played the role. It's not even what I'm really saying with this. It's that if you were to look at me and say, okay, Justin, who are your favorite actors that almost never let you down? And besides some that are maybe not as big, out of the really big actors, for me, it's it's a it's a fucking trifecta of Leo, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. I love all three of them. I rarely dislike a movie that these guys are in. And I'd say for a long time, Tom Cruise unquestionably had the number two spot for me after Leo in my heart. And, you know, Scientology aside, I love the guy. I think... He's a terrific lead. I think he is one of the last leading men that can carry a film. And Leo and him together has always been a dream of mine. So the thought of getting them to get, so was Leo and Brad. So I got one of the dreams. But hey, the fact that the other guy that was maybe going to do it was Tom Cruise blows me away because I feel like him and Brad Pitt's interpretation or like, portrayal of the character just would have been so different because they're just such different actors by nature. Yeah. And so I'm very curious to just see his take on it. I personally do not think it would be as good, but I do. I would love to see it. If we could film the movie twice, film the movie twice. I'd like to see it. Yeah. I mean, and Tom Cruise, I I definitely don't have the same love affair with him that you have, but it's more because of the movies he makes. And the thing is when he goes out of character, like I would say eyes wide shut is, is not a characteristic film for him. And I would say, yes. Um, oh my God. Tropic thunder, you know, is a classic one. That's not yes. his back. And he shows that he can do it. Right. I mean, that's the thing is he is surprisingly good in these roles. He just doesn't flex that muscle very often. You know, he sticks to kind of a pretty standard blockbuster type stuff, but yes, I, you know, I'm not going to say he couldn't do it. I, I, I can't doubt the guy, obviously. But, uh, um, okay, so okay, so now are we done with Leo for the bod? Uh, yes. Okay. Are we, are we also done with Tarantino for what it's worth? Yes. Okay. This is going to be an incredibly long number three, and we're going to meander, but let's go with it. So Wow. Because okay. you know Leo, one of the ones that I always think about, it's not on my list, but he could have taken the Dirk Diggler role in Boogie Nights. We really? Yes. Oh, that would have been amazing. And you have to wonder about, you know, the type of director he'd be working with at that age. I think it means he wouldn't have done Titanic, first of all. So there's that what if. Then, of course, there's, uh, you know, if he hooks up with a different, I don't want to say caliber, but that's very different than a lot of movies he would make. You know, does he end up with someone like Tarantino a bit earlier in his career based on hanging out in that crowd? Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, where's Mark Wahlberg? Facts. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, Tarantino, another one that I I'd sort of thought about for a while because there's, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff with Tarantino, but, you know, there was talks that Daniel Day-Lewis would play Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction. I remember that one. Talks yep. that Will Smith would play Django in Django Unchained. 
I'm honestly glad that one didn't happen. Yeah, that was that didn't work out because of created like Will wasn't gonna do what Quentin wanted him to do. Someone obviously, mm-hmm. right? So that would have like ruined the entire movie. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of rabbit holes to go on with both of those guys, Leo and Tarantino. So encouraging everybody to do that in their spare time. I mean, they're just such wow, I don't even want to say this, but no pun intended, titanic forces uh in the industry that like Oh my god. Oh anything my god. could have changed it. I really didn't want to do that. That was totally not intended. You know what? You had to. Oh, God. You were forced. All right. Going all the way back. Sorry. I, I hijacked your number three there. but I'm glad you did. Okay. My number three, this is my last horror um, of the day. And I want to talk about Peter Jackson a little bit. You know, we've, we've mentioned Ooh. it on the pod, but a lot of people just aren't aware that Peter Jackson was – almost exclusively like me yeah, exclusively a horror film director uh, in New Zealand made some absolute classics before uh, making those, you know, tiny little films called Lord of the Rings. And uh, he was, I, I would say pretty close to coming over to rescue um, nightmare on Elm street franchise. So Nightmare on Elm Street 5 came out. Nobody liked it. Uh, That's where the series really went downhill. Um, And they were kind of debating what to do with the sixth film. They ended up going with Freddy's Dead, which is also bad. And they had to rescue the franchise later, um, which I'll touch on in a second. But Peter Jackson was going to come over. He was going to direct a film. uh, It was going to be called The Dream Lover, Nightmare on Elm Street 6. And it was going to be... Um, you know, one of the first major kind of self-aware meta horror films, um, you know, all about how the franchise is nobody takes it seriously anymore. And then it was going to kind of resurrect itself over the course of the film. So, you know, if that happens, does Peter Jackson get tied to a bunch of other horror projects almost exclusively? You know, does he not do Lord of the Rings, uh, for Ooh. example? So interesting. You also have to wonder because the the meta the meta horror film is so weird because it happens because they chose Freddy's Dead instead of this. The next film in the franchise became you know one of the first and very well known meta horrors, which is a New Nightmare, Wes Craven's film, and that Ooh. you know that essentially not. F- fully nailing it in terms of like commercial success, but getting that taste for that self-referential smarter horror movie, in my opinion, is why we get Scream right after that. So if, if, if Wes doesn't get a chance to make that film, does he make Scream? And obviously if Scream doesn't get made, I mean, you could go on forever. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of films that wouldn't be made today. Whoa. Okay. Could have been a big one. Could have been a really big one. I'm that is you just went down a bit of a rabbit hole, my friend. And I'm I'm skipping a little bit of the Lord of the Rings part because that actually relates to my number two. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you you, you know you don't get the slasher revival potentially. You don't get a scary movie even. You don't maybe you don't get even something like Get Out. You know, a smarter horror that's still referential. Who knows? You know what? I'm happy it didn't go that way. <laughs> I agreed. Agreed. Great. But I do, goddamn, I really wish Peter Jackson would come back to horror when he made those fucking three Hobbit movies. It's like, bro, bro. They were bad. They were come bad. Come back to where you're from. This is yeah, not. Come back to your roots. Do this, bro. I don't need any more King Kong movies. 
Don't you talk badly about that King Kong. Okay. All right. Shout out Jack Black. <laughs> we love we love you, Jack. Um, wow. Okay. Great number three. Down to number two. This is a movie that I don't love that I think could have been so interesting had they hired this director. The movie is Man of Steel. The director, Darren Aronofsky. Oh, right. Okay. I just, I remember when Man of Steel came out. It's like, you know, fucking, it was 2013. It's Zack Snyder ended up doing it. You know, they're trying to get DC off the ground. And the trailer honestly was great. The movie for me really fell short. But now, like, sort of looking back, seeing how DC hasn't totally taken off, think about how fucking left field it would be to have Darren Aronofsky direct Man of Steel. Yeah. I mean, it would be wacky, weird in ways, I'm sure. Probably darker in a sense, but it would be interesting as hell. And maybe they'd have a critically acclaimed fucking mind fucky man of yeah i mean of course i won't go down the entire trajectory but we know i hate the dark knight uh largely because darren aronofsky was going to direct something very similar um i I think batman was going to be like homeless and shit he was going to go even darker with it and i wonder is man of steel in my mind i want it to be the unofficial last movie in a trilogy of the wrestler and black swan Oh Which my god, that'd somehow be amazing. Superman is like, you know, washed up in some way. And uh I'm I'm here for it. I whatever it would I mean, the guy's a genius. Come on. I'm He's sure fucking it would, amazing. No offense to Zack Snyder. I haven't seen this film, obviously, but like I love obviously. Well, you know, come on. And I love Superman. I do. Like of all superheroes, he's the guy. But yeah, I wasn't gonna watch this, I'll be honest. He wasn't gonna do it, people. He was not gonna do it. And I wonder where What's that going to be up to for that matter? True. That is a good point as well. Yeah. Okay. So my number two is, I I have to say, my number two is, it was never really that close to happening, but it's just such a wacky one to think about that I could not help but put it on my list because this is related to Lord of the Rings. And in 1968, there was a certain musical group that wanted to make Lord of the Rings. And that is the Beatles. What? Yes. They wanted to make like a psychedelic Lord of the Rings adventure film. And they what? wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct it. Oh my God. <laughs> that gonna, sounds yeah. fucking epic. Yeah, they were going to do the soundtrack. Um, I don't know how much this is true, but Paul McCartney was going to be Frodo. John Lennon was going to be Gollum. Uh, George Harrison was going to be Gandalf. Uh, and Ringo Starr was going to be Sam. Oh, my Lord. And and I just, I mean, the the psychedelic Beatles stuff is amazing. I do have to wonder about, like, you know, this is 68. So one of your favorite films of all time, 2001, mm-hmm. is, is certainly an epic. And whether it is or is not intentionally psychedelic, a lot of people took psychedelics and watched that film. Yes, they did. And it's hard for me to believe that Kubrick didn't know on some level that, that was going to happen. I'm not that well read on the film, but I'm sure somebody has addressed that somewhere. So you have to wonder, you know, about the crossover between that. But 
Wow. I mean, just the idea of the Beatles teaming up with Stanley Kubrick is insane. He basically was like, no way, this isn't happening. Uh, and they couldn't get the rights to, to make the film um, as is. So this wasn't ever really that close to happening, but it is very fun to think about and really ties into my number three because if there is an acid trip Lord of the Rings version, does does Peter Jackson make Lord of the Rings? Probably not. Probably not. So anyway, yeah, and that's that is my number two. One of the, my one of my favorites ever, really. That's an incredible number two. Holy shit, that would have been interesting beyond another level, and we would have definitely done some psychedelics and watched it. Yes, we fucking would have. I'd watch it right now. I would too. Um. So that is wait. So you're number one, right? Oh my, yes, I am. Holy shit. It is time. Well, speaking of psychedelics and oh, wow. uh, directors that are pretty off the wall, my number one could only be one thing, personally. And that is bringing it back to George Lucas, in a sense. Oh. If the one and only David Lynch had directed Return of the Jedi. Oh, right. Okay, I actually don't know much about this. So George Lucas wanted Lynch at one point, I believe, to direct Return of the Jedi. It obviously didn't end up happening, but can you imagine? With that said, I love Star Wars. I actually love Return of the Jedi. I, I really love it. Um... But my God, could there be anything, you know, Lynch at this point has done, I think, Elephant Man, a race. Has he done a racer head yet? Uh, yeah, racer head was his first film, right? Yes, he does it. Yes, yes, yes. He's done a racer head. He's done Elephant Man. But this would have been pre-Dune. Yes, exactly. This would have been pre-Dune. So think of if Lynch, I mean, obviously with Dune, it was sort of an attempt of him to do a mainstream film. But think about if he does a racer head, then does Elephant Man and decides, I'm just going to continue on my trajectory, but do Return of the Jedi with that mindset. You might have got one of the most mind fucky, you know, blockbuster extravaganzas ever. So, yeah, obviously he doesn't make Dune ever at that point because they're not. No, they're not dissimilar films, right? I mean, they're both sci-fi epics. Um that are often compared to each other, right? And then what does that do for Star Wars, obviously? And then what does it do for Lynch, right? I mean, he Dune is a massive failure and it changes his career forever. You know, this is this would be still his most mainstream film, right? If he did Return of the Jedi, it would still be his most famous film. Like where would that have taken him in terms of the mainstream? That is a very good question. It's like, do we never get Twin Peaks? Probably not. All right. I don't want him to do it. I don't want him to do yeah. it. I take it all back. But I mean, you have to wonder what Hollywood would sort of do with him at that point, right? You'd have to think, I mean, would it have been successful? I mean, it would be successful in the sense of people would see it because the first two are so successful. Oh, right. But you'd have to think, you, there's no way to know this, but I have to think in some way it would have been a failure compared to what it currently is because it's very mainstream in its current incarnation. And if it was very against that 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe it would have ultimate cult classic status at this point, yeah. but but in the moment, what would that have meant for his career? Mm. I don't know if it would have been positive. That's true. What if it's a failure? I mean, what if Return of the Jedi is it goes the same way as Dune? He tries to make like a five hour film, it gets cut, and he hates it, and everybody hates it. You know what that means? Then we still get Twin Peaks. We still get Twin Peaks, but do we get the other 75 Star Wars films that have been made since this? That's a very good question. How many is there, by the way? I don't know. I don't even. Since that one. Well, there's, there's nine, one, right? One, two, so three, six, four, four, five, six, seven, because Rogue One, which is a, a different. It's it's in the same universe, but it's not. Oh, yeah. so I didn't even know that. And you don't get Baby Yoda. You'd probably like uh, Rogue One the most of all of them if oh, I had to, if I was a betting man. Um, okay, wow. So that is, yeah. That, I mean, that's just a massive one. Uh, I, I really didn't know much about that, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, Thank you. And that's, I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. What, David Lynch, going mainstream. Going mainstream. Wow, okay. Um, and, and frankly, Sean, that's just a fantastic segue into my number one. I mean, you could not have written it better. Because mine is what what now is is quite well known after the documentary came out. I want to say in 2013, I think it was. This is, uh, I guess, Chilean, I would say, director Alejandro Jodorowsky's version of Dune that was never made. Whoa, okay. Uh, And I'll just say for the purpose of this, I've heard this man's name said Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky, Hodorowsky, Hodorowsky. I'm just going with Jodorowsky for the purposes of this, but... Um, he is a, you know, a true sort of art film maker, um, that was coming off of a a crazy run of films that people were really looking into, uh, most recently Holy Mountain in, uh, 73. And then he gets the idea to create Dune and he spent years, a couple years really assembling people to work on the film drafting the like he basically had the entire thing not written but sort of drawn let's say into a book so like shot by shot he had down on paper what he was going to do um and the people that he had attached to this movie david carradine mick jagger orson welles salvador dali uh at least some of the music was going to be done by pink floyd he had artist sketches uh, being done by H.R. Giger and, and so on and so forth. And he had, I mean, and other visual artists as well that you have to watch a documentary to sort of go into all the details. But he literally had the entire thing planned out and he took it to Hollywood Studios, which if you've seen any of this guy's films, was never going to work. And he basically told them, you know, I want to make a 14 hour version of Dune and here's what it's going to look like and it's going to be life changing. And they were all like, sir, you can't do that. Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't finance that film. Um, sir, you are not allowed to do that. Yeah. It's just such a wild idea for a project. The number of people um, that were attached to it is insane. And, like, some of the uh, the sketch work, um, you know, like H.R. Giger's work, for example, on this is, is basically just taken in Alien. Most mm-hmm. of the visual stuff, the people that worked in Alien – not most, but I'd say the biggest visual people that are responsible for Alien um, worked on this film, and this is kind of where they came together. 
um, and reuse some of that stuff. There's scenes more or less taken directly from this and put into Star Wars, which would have come after, put into Raiders of the Lost Ark. And you just, you have to wonder, I mean, this could have been uh, on the level of, let's say, 2001, how does this affect sci-fi cinema? Does Star Wars get created like it is right after, uh, which obviously would have changed all of sci-fi cinema? And and what is Jodorowsky? You know, basically, this is, I don't want to say it's the end of his career, but he's never the same after this. He was making these wild art films, then he made something totally different, I would say if there was a 16-year a gap before he really made another film that was kind of like him, let's say, followed by uh, like a 25-year gap, and which brings us to more or less today when he's starting to make films like that again, sort of. So all, basically all of big Hollywood blockbusters and you know one of the most powerful voices in like art house cinema were changed forever by this film sort of not being made. Whoa. And of course, you know, it's it's relevant now, right? I mean, there's almost no way that you get the Dune that we have now. Uh, and you wouldn't have gotten, uh, obviously Lynch wouldn't have done it just a few years later. So again, who who knows? No, no, no chance. And it really does change sci-fi cinema as we know it with this not being made. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it looks... And so you have to watch the documentary Jodorowsky's Dune. It's just a fantastic film about kind of the industry and art and, and you know, a project that we obviously know didn't didn't get made, but it's, it's a really, really great doc. And uh, it's, yeah, you just have to wonder, maybe someday, somehow, someone will pick it up. But now that we have a totally new Dune from Denis Villeneuve, I mean, we're talking, this would have to be decades from now. So Dude. who knows? So interesting. I I had no idea of that at all. It looks. I mean, obviously, we know I'm not like the biggest sci-fi guy, but it looks it, it looks very cool. And Jodorowsky's an absolute madman. So, who knows? Who the hell knows? We'll never know. I guess. Man, so sci-fi. Both of our number ones. Interesting. Very interesting, and I dig it. Uh, let's uh, let's do a quick recap. Okay. So I had at number five, Leonardo DiCaprio in American Psycho, James Cameron or David Fincher directing Spider-Man, the 2002 version. At three, Tom Cruise in Brad Pitt's role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Two, Darren Aronofsky directing Man of Steel. And one, David Lynch directing Return of the Jedi. All right, my number five is the film that never was, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Uh, number four is Orson Welles being the voice of Darth Vader. Number three is is the Peter Jackson film that never was, Nightmare on Elm Street 6. Uh, number two is the Beatles, unfortunately not making Lord of the Rings film with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, and number one is Jodorowsky's version of Dune that sadly still never has been created. And I have to say, Town, just as you were as you were saying that, your list, there's another crossover that I hadn't considered. If Fincher or Cameron makes Spider-Man, that's like 2001, right? Maybe something like that around there. Spider-Man would have been 2002. Yeah, yeah. 2002. So around there, around there, right? <laughs> what if Sam Raimi directed Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash? Oh. He wouldn't have been tied up with that franchise. Holy shit. 
it's crazy that there's like weird crossovers between there's the very weird crossovers i love it i love it do you uh do you have any honorables you want to throw out there i'd say the only honorable i have is and and he honestly had a few but i just didn't dive deep enough into him but this one i thought was interesting because i thought the movie was okay but maybe with someone like Spielberg behind it, it could have been amazing. And that's Steven Spielberg directing American Sniper. Oh, interesting. I never Which saw I just, that. Though. It's, it's, I mean, it's decent. It's, it's not for me. It wasn't particularly memorable where I'd need to watch it again, but it was good. Like I, I was happy that I watched it, but I think I, Again, Spielberg behind almost anything piques my interest. And just seeing that he was in serious talks to potentially direct that, I was like, eh, I would have liked that. But but not enough to put it in my top five. Yeah. Um, I've got, I think, maybe three. So Will Smith turned down the role of Neo for Wild Wild West. Yes. Yes. Not a good decision, though I, I, it is hard to imagine. I have to be honest. It's really hard to imagine that movie. Very, very hard. Dude. Coming out the same. And obviously, you know, we love Keanu. So, you know, not the right move for Will, but I kind of feel like it was the right move. And Will, I mean, he's admitted that Keanu was the right person for the role. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to be Keanu. Yeah. Um, and I don't, this one, I don't know exactly how true it is or sort of how close it is, but I know that, uh, there was talks that Robin Williams was considered for the Jack Nicholson role in The Shining. Kinda wow. Works. Kinda works. Interesting. That is really interesting. I could get down with that. The crazy parts definitely work, right? But like, does the kind of all the setup to it work? I don't know. And one that, I mean, since we're going sci-fi, one that was uh, has been thrown out there is Arnold Schwarzenegger in I Am Legend which was supposed to be like a, I don't know, kind of a game changer of a sci-fi film, mostly uh, without dialogue whatsoever, like a very sort of existential film with Arnold Schwarzenegger in that role, another Will Smith connection. That's very interesting also. Oh, and I guess I should say very last one, you know, John Carpenter, we know him, we love him. He almost made Creature from the Black Lagoon remake in 92, which for me would have been epic. But anyway, that's more of a me thing. <laughs> Listen to our aquatic horror app, though. Listen to it. It's it's a great app. That's a great app. I got very excited there, as you could tell. Very. Oh, this was, this was fun, man. This was. It, it was very, you know, it was a different thing. It was different than what we usually do. And I liked it a lot. Me too, yeah. Love the synergies with our list. And, uh, you know, as always, hit us hit us up with ones we missed because – I'm sure. I mean, there's this endless, right? I mean, you, this this list could be endless. There's so many rumors out there for every film. So if you have any ones that you particularly enjoy, hit us up. Please do. And you know where to find us on Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives, and on Twitter at Top Dives. Thanks so much for being here with us this week. It's been lovely, and we'll see you guys next week. Let's let's have Zach take us out now. Peace out, everybody. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town of PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by.
listen to it.